I know it's really hard because we're told as teachers, you need to do this and this and this, and then got the curriculum. And then we've got other social things on top of that, that are coming from the media. And then our principal has this great idea that they want us to put into practice and have as a school focus. And it gets overwhelming Mm -hmm. and it feels like there's so many things to fit in, but you know what's best for you and your classroom and your students. Welcome to Rainbow Skies for New Teachers, where we're all about bite-sized tips and simple strategies for bright and busy new teachers. If you're in your first few years of your career and want to make the rollercoaster ride of teaching more fun, streamlined and stress-free, you're in the right place. We're Ashley and Alicia, the dynamic duo from Rainbow Sky Creations, and we're excited to be your teacher mentors on the go. There are rainbows ahead, my friend. And together, we're unstoppable. Let's get into today's episode. Rainbow Sky Creations acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Dharawal and Wujak Noongar people. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. This episode is brought to you by Transform Your First Years. If you are ready to feel more confident and ready to head into the classroom feeling ahead of the game, come and join our membership for new teachers. The link is in our show notes. Hello, Alicia. Welcome back to Rainbow Skies for New Teachers. So good to be here. I always love our weekly chats on the podcast. Same. It's my favourite time of the week. When we sit in our wardrobes with clothes all around us, dark little rooms, ready to have a little chin wag about teaching. Yes. It's so good. And I do like the topic we're going to talk about today, which is seven strategies for fitting in all the teaching. I think there was always that one thing that stressed me out the most when I was in the classroom was how am I going to fit this all in? Definitely. It's something that all teachers battle because there's not enough hours in the day. No. No, there aren't enough hours in the day. And I think that's where we need to change the narrative on what we mean when it comes to fitting in all the teaching, because you do have enough time, but you just need to kind of change your mindset on time when it comes to teaching in the classroom, probably just life in general. (laughs) No, that's so true. Yeah, I think sometimes we are our own worst enemy. And I was reading a little bit about time mindset that I'm probably guilty for it at the moment of just feeling like, oh, I'm just so overwhelmed. There's just so much to do. There's not enough hours in the day. And I kind of have to check myself and go, oh, hang on a second. I've always had the same number of hours. My life just looks a little bit different, but I'm kind of speaking this into my gray matter and I need to change it. So it's like, I'm just overwhelmed at the moment, or there's enough hours in the day for the important stuff. And I think that's what we need to incorporate into teaching. There are enough hours in the day for the important stuff. I think teachers can get very caught up with all the other things that are happening when it comes to administration and expectations that the important stuff are those kids in your classroom. And I guarantee you have enough hours in the day to do what you need to do. And if that just means pulling back a little bit, it's going to be okay. Your kids are still going to walk out at the end of the year being superstar learners. They might even be better than if you did fit in all those things. So I team taught with another teacher. Her name was Rach. And she taught me the best lesson I've ever learned as a teacher. And that lesson was less is more. So her day was always less. She just did less in her day with the students. She was one of the best teachers I have ever worked with. She had more connections with the students. 
Mm-hmm. They were never rushing around. She always had time to stop and answer their questions and also just to stop and take note if they weren't getting something or if a particular student needed that little bit more of help. She was never rushing them along. And when I team taught with her, we were actually job sharing. So I was doing one or two days a week in her classroom. So I really wanted to do it her way because I was entering her classroom. When I started to teach like that, she was like, you know, you've got a full hour, just do maths. And then you've got a full hour, do science. And it was no, don't like squeeze this little spelling lesson in here or squeeze that in there. My days were so much better. The kids' Mm -hmm. days were so much better. And I think her students walked out of that classroom knowing so much because they weren't being rushed. Mm -hmm. My daughters also have this ballet teacher and she does an individual part of this ballet lesson where they have to gallop up the room. This is when they're in preschool. And she just waits for the kids and it's okay. If they're not ready, they come over. She takes her time with each child. And I always look at her in awe and I think I'd probably be saying, come on hurry along. We've got to get to the next one. But that's not what she does. The children really respond to her in that way. So this is two different examples of just slowing down and how that can be really good for our learners. But we do have some more tangible ideas in order to fit in all of the teaching. So I'm going to give you a little recap and then we'll dive into each of them. So number one, the strategies to fit in with all the demands of teaching is managing your expectations. We need to be flexible. We need to utilize small groups, which I think is going to be Alicia's favorite in this podcast. We will see as we go along. (laughs) Identify events in the term so we're not getting caught out. View your program as a wish list, not a must-do list, and integrate learning. Yes. And the last one was less is more. And I think that encapsulates the think quality over quantity. Yes. If you incorporate that as your ethos, you're going to find life as an educator a lot easier. I needed to do that much sooner in my career. So let's start off with the first one, manage expectations. So what we mean by this is remember, not all students are going to walk away from a lesson mastering that skill. And that is okay. If you keep that in mind and have a large portion of your class making connections, then you know you're on the right track with your teaching. If a lesson bombs, reflect on it, make adjustments and tackle it again. There is a reason why students are exposed to the same skill year after year. We're starting with the foundations, we're building up, we're building up, we're building up. I had one of my colleagues I used to work with and he would go to me, Alicia, look, if 70% of your kids walk out of that classroom or out of that lesson and they've made a connection, they've understood and they're ready to move forward or to keep building on that learning, you've done great. It's fine. Like there's always going to be a loss. There's going to be a percentage you're just going to be like, oh, yeah, no, just not quite there yet, miss. I'm ready to do that again and again and again. So manage your expectations. It's okay if everybody isn't having big fist pumps in the air, like they've got it, they've mastered it. Yes. And learning is not linear. Mm -hmm. It goes up and down and different students get better at different paces. And we need to take that into consideration too. Also by rushing along and trying to keep filling the curriculum, if they haven't got those base level and they're never going to get the next thing. So we don't want holes in their learning. We don't want them to be trying to do things that they're not ready for. So just lowering yourself down, managing your expectations and really meeting the students where they're at is where you're going to get the most success. That is correct. Which moves into the next one. Be flexible. 
be open to make adjustments to any systems you have put in place or think of your timetable allocations. If you're trying to cram too much into a literacy box, consider pulling back exactly what Ashley was talking about with her colleague. Yeah. Slow it down. If you need to work on explicitly teaching their phonics or a reading comprehension skill or you need to do some problem solving and really dive into that, give yourself that 55-minute block or 45-minute block and just focus on that. Don't try and go, oh my gosh, we're going to do reading, phonics, grammar, and I'm going to do 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there, and 15 minutes at the end. It's going to stress you out. It's going to stress the kids out. And I can tell you right now, they're switching gears too quickly. When you're there switching between tasks, your brain is only operating at like 20%. We want their brains to be operating at 80% and above. And to Mm. do that, they need the time to focus on that one specific task. Gear switching isn't going to be helpful for anyone especially you as well. Yes, for you as well. I was a bandit for this. And it's one of the things that I really regret in Mm -hmm. my classroom is doing too much and switching gears too much. I remember looking at my day plan thinking, oh my gosh, we've got a spare 10 minutes here. I'm going to squeeze this in like and get it ticked off the list. That's not doing anyone any good because they're not getting that deep learning. So be flexible with your times. Make sure that you're not trying to fit all of that in, but going more quality, which we will talk about as we go on in this episode, but more quality instead of just trying to fit in a million things. I know it's really hard because we're told as teachers, you need to do this and this and this, and then got the curriculum. And then we've got other social things on top of that, that are coming from the media. And then our principal has this great idea that they want us to put into practice and have as a school focus. And it gets overwhelming Mm -hmm. and it feels like there's so many things to fit in, but you know what's best for you and your classroom and your students. And you need to trust that and back yourself. 100%. I think sometimes I used to get to like near the end of a term and I'd be like, oh my gosh, I haven't done enough hats. We're falling behind. And I would just be like, you know what? We're having a hats day. We're having a hats week. We're having all hats afternoons this week. And just being like going, I have allocated that time to focus on something I may have neglected or fallen by the wayside. Just took the pressure off everyone. The students would do amazing because they had a whole week to delve into this learning. So be okay and be flexible at letting the timetable look a bit different for a week or two. It's going to be okay. And I think sometimes as new teachers, you feel like you can't deviate from what you have fixed in that timetable because parents have that timetable. They're expecting it to be that way. Trust me, it is okay to deviate from the plan. Give yourself a break. (laughs) For sure. All right, let's move on to the next one. Utilizing small group activities. You know, I love this one, Ash. I know. (laughs) Look, there is so much learning that can be taught and consolidated during small group work. The groups may rotate in single or double lessons. Like sometimes I might just do a morning literacy block and I would just have four activities set up. But one of those, I knew the kids were going to come sit with me. And I wasn't one for big rotations. Like it was literally like maybe we had two literacy blocks. Like I've gone an hour and a half lesson. I'm like, all you've got to do is two activities in that time. I would give them that full like 30 minutes to really focus on that activity. And then I knew the students that were with me were going to get some really one-on-one time on where they needed for their learning. And if I had kids who were a little bit off track or they're just kind of having a chin wag with their friends, and I know that they've grasp that concept, I wouldn't be stressing out about it. I'd be like, obviously they just needed a bit of regulation. If I check in with them and got them to do that activity, they'd probably nail it. And if they didn't, I'll have a chat with them and we'll work on being better learners next time there's independent tasks. But I can really 
vouch for seeing huge growth in my students when I incorporated small group learning. I could target where my students were at and my students could become better independent learners and allow themselves to practice skills that they needed more time with without that real pressure of like, we've all got to do it now and we've got to do it this way. It gave them to have some autonomy over their learning. Yeah. And it allows you to work on a variety of different skills in the one session. We spoke about in episode 18, building fluency in maths when we were talking about some different math strategies. And this is one great way to include some of those fluency games. You can include them as an activity when you're doing small groups. You could do that for literacy. You could do that for maths. You could do that Mm -hmm. in lots of different areas. But I just wanted to say that. You just wanted to say that small groups are the bomb. That's what you wanted to say. (laughs) Small groups are the bomb. I agree with Alicia. They are the bomb.com. We love small groups. It's a really great way to connect with your students as well. It is. The next thing is when it comes to fitting in all the things is to identify events in the term. Like some terms are busier than others. Yep. Term one I found was busy and term four I found was busy, especially if you're teaching the upper primary or the year six students who are ready to move off to high school. So jot that in your calendar. If you know you've got a block of swimming lessons coming up, if you know your assembly items coming up and assembly items might be a big deal, in your school, then you might give yourself two weeks of grace when it comes to the timetable. So put it into your daily work pad, into your calendar, whatever it might be, and just give yourself a bit of grace. I would always still be focusing on my core subjects during that time, or if I know it's getting to the end of the term and I really got to nut out what we're finishing up for science and has, I'd be allocating some time for that, but giving myself grace to get it done and knowing less is more. Definitely. I know schools don't always do this, but knowing the events that are coming up and what's expected of you ahead of time? Would it even help you with your programming? So if you know you've got a two weeks of swimming coming up, you make sure that you plan two weeks less of science that term because you're probably not going to fit it in. So that can really help with fitting in the teaching too. I wish that schools do give us that in advance, but I've never really worked at a school that was great at that. Oh, my last school was, and it was very helpful. Sometimes they would do a semester and I'd be like, oh my gosh, I've never felt so organized. Yeah, that's awesome. And then just get those dates written in your diary so that when you are flicking through, you know what's going to come up. You can even pop them in your program too if if you need to. Okay. So speaking of programs, someone gave me this advice in my first year of teaching. She was a literacy specialist and she's gone on to be a principal. I actually taught one of her children and that was think of your program as a wish list. So she said, your program is a working document and you're going to need to modify it term to term from year to year. Ideally, you should be reflecting and making adjustments on your program. You may have lessons planned and you need to go backwards. You may have lessons planned and you need to speed them up a little bit because the students aren't interested or engaged, but you may not get everything done either. So look at it as a wish list and it's going to make you feel less overwhelmed and more accomplished at the end of the term. Yes, I love this one. Like I used to under plan for usually those inquiry topics because I always found I just couldn't squeeze everything in in a nine-week block. But if I gave myself two weeks grace and just did eight weeks, I'd be like, great, super. Now, if you're at a school where they're like, well, I have to plan for 10 weeks and that's just what's expected of me. Cool thing is if you don't get through that whole program, you've already planned two weeks for the next term. So well done you for being ahead of the game. So (laughs) think of your program as a wish list is such 
such a great little mindset shift that's going to allow you to have moments to breathe and pause and be like, oh, it's okay. It's okay if I don't get this all done. There's two more. The next one is combine the curriculum. I love this. Learning is holistic and so should be how we teach in the classroom or how we plan. So incorporate different subjects into a project and you're going to tick not just one box, but three boxes. If you're looking at STEM activities, like it might be that you could incorporate, say if you're teaching catapults, you'll be looking at forces, you can incorporate measurement, you could look at materials, you could be incorporating your design and technology, even lead to writing by them, including a scientific report about their design for their catapult. And right there, you've got so many elements of your curriculum into that one project. So integrating is going to save you time, energy, and I can guarantee your students will be engaged. Yeah, I love integration, especially as the students get older. Also, talking about integration, AI has done us teachers a massive favor when it comes to integration because you can create all sorts of different things using AI to help you in your classroom. For example, one thing that I love to do with older grades is give them reading material around a topic that we're learning about. And with AI, it can create those reading passages for you at different Mm. levels. Like it's actually amazing. So combine the curriculum where you can. Not every subject has to sit on its own. Yes. And a little side note, Ashley and I were teaching overseas in Dubai, which was an international baccalaureate school. And that's kind of the pretense that IB schools work under is the holistic incorporation of the curriculum. So this is definitely a mini passion for me. I love inquiry-based learning. And I think the more that you can get your mind to think that a maths lesson isn't necessarily just a maths lesson, allows you to just take the pressures off, especially when it's coming to reporting time. And you might go, oh my gosh, I didn't cover that one little piece of outcome in the curriculum. I can tell you right now, you did. Just slow down, have a think at your desk, look at what you've done in your program and a little light bulb moment will come on. You'll be like, oh, I remember we did this and I could probably tell you what 70% of the students outcome was based on that little activity. So combine the curriculum, my friends. Yeah. And if in that situation that Alicia was talking about, if you're in doubt, use a little exit ticket. We love those for quick assessment checks when it comes to report times. Okay. The last one, which I think has really been a theme throughout the podcast today is less is more. So when those overwhelming worrying thoughts kick in about not being able to fit in all the teaching, it's usually a sign to pull back and focus on quality teaching. Tapping into quality teaching where you know you've taught a concept, skill or strategy well is going to be so much more beneficial to the students than skimming over the concepts. That's it. And when it comes to less is more, you might sit there and go, well, I've taught that concept. I need to move on to the next one. Probably don't. Your kids probably need more time learning that concept. Like say if I'm just picking like one reading comprehension strategy, say we just pick inferential questioning. I can guarantee one or two lessons isn't going to have your students nailing that skill. Just incorporating that for a whole week or even two weeks, you might be thinking, oh, my kids are getting bored of it. No. You're getting bored of it because you're really good yeah. at that skill. They need time to they need time to learn it. So less is more quality over quantity. That is what we're going to leave you with for this podcast, my friends. So shall we recap quickly what are the seven strategies for fitting in all the teaching? 
Yep, go for it. So manage your expectations, be flexible, give small groups a try, identify events in the term and lock them in your calendar. Think of your program as a wish list, combine the curriculum and less is more. Awesome. So if you are worried about this time mindset that we were talking about at the very beginning or need more handy, helpful tips like these strategies to help you fit in all the teaching and all the other little worries that teachers have, consider coming and checking out Transform Your First Years, our membership for new teachers. We have got a community of new teachers that are there ready to help and support you. And we're always talking about topics like this and different ways that we can really help our mindsets as teachers. Well, that wraps it up for today. Before you go, make sure you share this podcast with a teacher friend, a neighbor, a mum, anyone that you know that may be interested. And we will see you next week. There are rainbows ahead, my friend. And together we're unstoppable. 